0: It's an interesting passage and not one that's preached on a lot and not one that I have tried to preach on and almost chickened out and went for one of the other readings but thought, let's hang into this. And Doug, uh, our friend who did our church weekend at the start of the year, came on very early in the week on Facebook saying, have you seen the Lectionary Passage for Sunday? Any clues out there? And there was a kind of a, a list of clues and people pointing to here to there and to everywhere. And I've enjoyed untangling uh, the kind of the Rubik's Cube. I suppose the first thing is that we've been in the midst of this journey in Luke's, the gospel according to Luke. I used to have, a I told you this before, but a Greek teacher who said it's not Luke's gospel, it's Jesus' gospel. It's the gospel according to Luke. Um, and, And the gospel according to Luke, we've been used to the tension Rising and the debates between The religious and Jesus We've been thinking about that week upon week upon week Nor should we be surprised that Jesus Is in debate in the temple because The whole gospel starts out With Jesus as a 12 year old boy Discussing with no doubt Sadducees And Pharisees these very things In the temple courts That time that he got lost When his parents were at home without him This is something that Luke and his gospel Has been bringing us to And we come to a place where I suppose to uh, to cut through some of... Um, well, let's not cut through it. Let's do what Paul was telling us. The Sadducees, and it's very hard to say that word without thinking they were Sadducees. It really is very difficult. But the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection because they only believed in the first five books. They only believed in the Torah, and they didn't find any evidence. They didn't find any evidence to resurrection in the Torah, whereas the Pharisees believed in all the Old Testament books, and they would have come across those uh, pointers towards resurrection towards some eternal heavenly place so we're in the midst in some ways of a denominational debate here the presbyterians and the catholics are going at it and the temple about some of the things they believe but we're really not because and the bottom line here as we uh, as we as we heard richard reading it a moment or two ago we're into the cynicism of the pharisees who don't believe in this resurrection Now, have they been listening to Jesus and maybe have been getting some kind of clue that Jesus does believe in resurrection? Because chapter 20 that we're reading comes four chapters after Lazarus' resurrection and four chapters before Jesus' resurrection. Now, obviously, the Sadducees um, weren't aware of what was coming up, but were they aware of the hints that Jesus had made to his own resurrection? And therefore, were they coming with this cynicism? (laughs) But Look, if there is a resurrection, let me tell you what's going to happen in heaven. What's going to happen in heaven is these seven guys are going to turn up and they've all been married to this same woman. Sort that one out, Lord. Sort that one out. There can't be a resurrection because if there is a resurrection, all this stuff in the Torah, it's not going to work out in a heavenly place. The cynicism's there. And Jesus takes them to resurrection and gives no doubt about Resurrection. And then, if you noticed at the end of the reading that Richard gave us, at the end of this particular passage, we find that Jesus takes them back to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob to find resurrection in those very books that the Sadducees said there was none and why they believed there was none. So we're in the midst of this catching Jesus out and the cynicism of heaven. And then I, as I said at the start of the service, found those words right in the middle of it that really caught my attention. They cannot die anymore because they're not they're like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. What does it mean to be children of the resurrection? Paul has in his prayer led us very close to thinking about that. What does it mean to believe in resurrection in Syria? or in America. And then just as we pointed our finger at America, three fingers pointed back at us at the madness of what's happening to our country in this whole Brexit debacle that's, that's happening. And then into Fitzroy. What does it mean to Donegal Pass or to the Holy Lands or to Queen's University or wherever in Belfast? What does resurrection mean? What does it mean to live resurrection? And there's a cynicism about There's a cynicism to this idea. I mean, where is that place? I suppose when Columbus, as Paul was talking about, was heading off to find where well, he didn't think, he wasn't sure he would find anything, but found America and maybe the earth was flat and then heaven could be somewhere up there. But we've done some exploring now and beyond the clouds there's more and more and more and more. But I'll leave Tom to explain uh, all about that at some other time. So where is this heaven? What does it mean really for us to be resurrected? And there can be a cynicism that doesn't only happen in the world outside, but maybe a cynicism that happens within our own communities of faith, or maybe even in our own souls. I mean, what does this thing look like? Um, Janice is in a a very bad shoulder for a few days, and on Thursday we were casually in the causeway. And miraculously get in and out without any nurses or doctors that lived in Daravolgi seeing her. Because every time we go to hospital we think, who's going to be around this curtain? Um, But thankfully we got away with that. But on the way home we were passing a church. And there was a big banner. Come for four days and hear about heaven. And I was thinking, four days in heaven? Now you must have passages in the Apocrypha that I don't have in my scripture. Because it would be hard to find in the scriptures enough time to think about heaven for four days. What does heaven look like? I've had debates, a bit like the Lego. I've had debates about potatoes. Surely there's going to be potatoes in heaven. But somebody was pretty convinced there weren't going to be potatoes in heaven because we weren't going to be physically resurrected. We were only going to be spiritually resurrected. And we were into a whole discussion about that. I still think there might be just potatoes, but I have no evidence from the scriptures, Torah or not. I remember in 1st Antrim um, having a lengthy debate with one of our young people who said... I've got a problem. And I said, well, what's your problem? It's a spiritual problem. I said, what is your spiritual problem? She says, I don't know whether I want to go to heaven. And I said, what do you mean you don't want to go to heaven? She said, well, Steve, they say it's like a worship service forever. (laughs) Fitzroy, when I go to 25 past or half 12, we start to get fidgety. Imagine that forever. She said, I'm just not sure I want to go there. And I have to say... Presbyterian worship services. I've been in the more, you know, exciting adrenaline rush services and after 40 minutes of thought, goodness of heavens like this, I don't want to be there either. So what does it look like? What are our views of heaven? And the cynicism of the age, is there such a place? I find a fascinating time, now it's a good while ago I was doing my radio show and that's over 10 years ago and I remember one particular week week when I'm scanning as I used to do to do my radio show I used to scan all my CDs which is quite a a feat in itself really But uh, so I was scanning them all for some sort of theme for the show on the Sunday night and I discovered that three artists Jackson Brown, Bruce Springsteen and Steve Earle were all singing about heaven. Now you may be expected it at the vineyard or a Presbyterian service but Steve Earle Jackson Brown, Springsteen, yes, there's a lot of Catholicism that doesn't only linger but is very much alive in his life. But this was quite remarkable for me that these artists in a secular world of cynicism would be singing about heaven, resurrection. Jackson Brown sings, don't you want to be there? Don't you want to cry when you see how far you've got to go to where forgiveness rules instead of where you are? Don't, want, don't you want to be there? Don't you want to know where the grace and simple truth of childhood go? Don't you want to be there when the trumpet blows? Blows for the, those born in hunger. Blows for those lost beneath the train. Blows for those choking in anger. Blows for the driven and sane. Don't you want to be there? Don't you want to see where the angels appear? Don't you want to be where there's strength and love in the place of fear? Springsteen sings about similar stuff. Big wheels roll across fields where sunlight streams. Meet me in a land of hope and dreams. This train carries saints and sinners. This train carries losers and winners. This train carries whores and gamblers. This train carries lost souls. I said, this train dreams and this train dreams will not be thwarted. On this train, faith will be rewarded. This train hear the steel wheels singing. The train of bells of freedom ringing. But Earl, more than the other two, theologizes it almost in the same place that Jesus theologizes it with the Sadducees and Pharisees. He sings, and the storm comes rumbling in, and I can't lay me down, and the drums are drumming again, and I can't stand the sound. But I believe there'll come a day when the lion and the lamb will lie down in the peace together in Jerusalem. And there'll be no barricades then. There'll be no wire or walls, and we can wash all this blood from our hands and all this hatred from our souls. And I believe that on that day, the children of Abraham will lay down their swords forever in Jerusalem, heaven, in the secular songs off the radio. Children of resurrection, are we? So Doug, who set up at the start of the week, the problem of the passage by the end of the week, had put up on Facebook a sermon that he had preached at the death of one of his friends. Ali was a young woman. Uh, It was while Doug was uh, ministering in Hackney, and it was a real blow for the community. We've had those here, where you come as a minister, as Doug was, to try and make some sense into a place that is far from resurrection, a place where death has really stung, if you like, even with the verses that we know that says... Where is your sting? And so when he put this up um, on Friday night, I thought, I need a wee bit of that. I need to hear what he's saying about heaven and resurrection. So at this funeral, a number of years ago, he says this, we're in the funeral situation. For the church in holding that question, why? Alongside the story of Jesus Christ, it becomes clear that there is another word to be said. It is the Easter word. ...in which the church proclaims God's yes to life and finds God's no to death. The church that proclaims God's yes to life and finds God's no to death. We do not say death is nothing at all. We feel the sting of death and we rebel against it. Death is the last enemy, our scripture says. And one day death will die... We are Easter people, and we will not make peace with death because we believe what Paul's great cosmic vision in Romans 8 points to that one day creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay. One day death will be overtaken by resurrection. Wonderful, powerful words in an age of cynicism. I imagine that morning in a church full of cynicism that there is something more. Doug goes on and as I was reading these words forgive me for going back to one particular funeral but it's a funeral that, um, that makes sense in some ways of the words that I'm about to quote from Doug uh, the day that we, we buried Mo Blake um, her coffin was beside me right here and every now and again I would look at the coffin um, because that's where Mo was physically and her mother kept nudging Joanna and saying does he know she's not there Does he know she's not there? But I was looking as if the body was there, but obviously Mo's mum knew that the soul wasn't there. So if we're thinking about that, um, this is what Doug said about his friend Ali. At a funeral we say, you've gone home, you're in glory. Now you live in a country called no more death, no more crying, no more pain, and we are comforted. We say with the eyes of Narnia, you with your love for life, You have said goodbye, Shadowlands. The term is over and all the holidays have begun. Now you're where your every beauty is brighter and every pleasure more intense. You're seated at the great feast, the ultimate community meal. You're where there is the best wine, the finest food, the funkiest music, the brightest clothes, the wildest dancing, the kindest laughter, the deepest joy. Life is more where you are and we are excited just a few days before Mo passed away, I was round in the house and we were all sitting around and we were talking about the party. And if you were at that funeral, there was a party because after we buried Mo, we all went down to the sea and we all just played in the, in the sea. It was a crazy kind of thing. And I could see these people driving in onto the beach at Downhill and I could see that they were thinking to themselves, it must be a baptism. Maybe it's a wedding. None of them would imagine for a moment that we just buried someone that we loved so much. But there was this party. But in Mo's house that night, a few days, it was maybe the last time I was in, in the home with them before she passed away. We were talking about the party. The party that Doug so eloquently put in these words. And she looked at us and she said, yes, but for you, there is no party. For you, there is no party. Because we live with these words of hope in the midst of the loss that we have we live with this idea of life where they are excitement where we are but it's a hopefulness it's only a hopefulness of resurrection because we still feel the loss resurrection people i love doug's phrase easter people And that made me think that we're Christmas people too. And we're aware that in the age of cynicism and the age of political correctness that has gone completely bonkers, we can't put Jesus on a Christmas card or we can't talk about, they're the holiday seasons now. They're not the Christmas and Easter of theology or church or liturgy. They're now the holiday season of secularism. But we must declare in the lives that we live, that we are Christmas people, that Jesus has come, that God has entered into humanity, that the incarnation has taken place, and that God is in the midst of us, even in the midst of sorrow, even in the midst of Syria, even in the midst of an American election, even in the midst of Brexit, even in the midst of Holy Lands, Lower Ormo, Donegal Pass. We are Christmas people. But we're more than that because we're Easter people. We believe in yes to life and no to death. We want to rebel against death. We want to rebel against these things that have us broken. We want to say that there is hope in the midst of all the despair going on around us. And two very quick things to finish are these. We are not called to heaven. Stephen Williams reminded me time and time again when I did my MTH with him. A number of years ago. There's nowhere in the scriptures that we're called to heaven. It is a reward. Even Springsteen sees it as a reward. It's an ultimate destination. Even Steve Earle sees it as an ultimate destination. It's somewhere where we want to be. Even Jackson Brown sees it as somewhere we want to be. But the call on our lives that we've seen in the gospel according to Luke is not that somehow we get this ticket And then wait somehow for resurrection to come or death to come to lead us into it. We're called to follow here and now. Children of the resurrection. Children of God. Let's remember those words in Luke 6. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. How will we be children of the resurrection? How will we be children of God? How will we be children of the Most High? When we do these things that say we're going to follow Jesus, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Be hopeful just as your father is hopeful. Be resurrection people just as Jesus experienced resurrection. It's for here and now. It's for here and now. The kingdom has to come here and now. As Paul made us say a few times during the prayer, God's will on earth as in heaven. How many times will you hear me saying that? How many times over seven years have you heard me saying that? The kingdom must come here. We must be those who say, because we believe in this resurrection, because we believe in this hope of glory, that that changes what we believe about here and now. The Negro spirituals put Jesus on a throne so that the person on the throne and who would be Lord would be different than the Lord they were suffering under in slavery. So that their imaginations could be altered. So that they could have an alternative view of how the world works. We live in a world of cynicism. We live in a world where Christianity is being pushed out of here and there and everywhere. And when we think of this resurrection... And this hope of glory and this eternity and this heaven, we see a reality of a world that we bring back into this world and realize that there's another way to live that fires our imagination to live differently. Which is why I go back to my old favorite title Imagine There's No Heaven. It's easy if you try. It is John. It is John. But imagine there is a heaven and we've been called to bring it on earth as it is in heaven that's a tougher call John that's a tougher call Fitzroy that's the call of a God of resurrection that's the call of a Jesus who says like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob we live this story this story of people who believed and hoped because don't you want to be there? Don't you want to see where the angels appear? Don't you want to be where there's strength and love in the place of fear? Don't you want to be where the trumpet blows? Blows for the, those born into hunger? Blows for those lost beneath the train? Blows for those choking in anger? Blows for those driven and sane. Don't you want to be there? Well, what about taking there and bringing it here? What about the week that's ahead? Like we said in the offering? Who are the people that need resurrection hope? Who are the people that need an alternative way to see the world? Who are the people in our homes, on our streets, in our communities, in our city, in our country, and in our world? That this week, probably more than anything else, they need to meet. Children of the resurrection. Let's be that. Let's pray. Lord, we're not at the yacht club or the golf club or the GAA club or the rugby club or the knitting or the sewing club for that matter. We're here to worship you, the God of eternity. And we're here to declare what we believe in the scriptures and the creeds. We're here to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. And we're here to proclaim that he being raised to life makes us who follow him the children of the resurrection. And so we pray that that proclamation that we've been doing right throughout this service in the hymns we've been singing, in the prayers that we've prayed, in the readings that we've had, and in the ponderings that we've done, that somehow this week, Those people around us who need it the most might have a handshake or a hand on the shoulder from someone who is a child of the resurrection. Help us to shine hope into a world that needs hope. In the name of Jesus, amen.